As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 45 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. I've always, I've had no doubt, never had any doubt. He is a nasty piece of work. Convicted killers who will still have full recourse to the appeals process and the absolute inalienable right to maintain their innocence, but convicted killers should not be eligible for parole if they don't give information about the whereabouts of their victims' remains. You know, we're back to where we were. As we go into the new year, we're now getting ready for another war. That's where it will be, won't it? It's a battle. Our human rights versus his. Separating the south of England and the north of France is a stretch of the Atlantic Ocean known as the Channel. It is a major transportation route for hundreds of vessels daily, allowing for the movement of people and goods across the sea between the UK, the Channel Islands and mainland Europe. 
the weather over the channel is unpredictable. While the tides are relatively strong, the wind and rain can make traversing the historic waterway difficult for even the most experienced sailor. In the early morning hours of October 21st, 1993, a frantic mayday call was made from a woman who said her partner had fallen from a yacht that travelled between Hampshire and Guernsey. The 42-foot vessel Noir, which translated from French means the Black Stallion, had been chartered by solicitor Anthony Hackett-Jones, who was a capable seaman. He had set sail from Hamble near Southampton, with his client Russell Causley and Russell's partner Patricia. Sometime during the night Russell had gone overboard and his panicked partner ran to Hackett Jones to raise the alarm. As the yacht reached St Peter Port, the Guernsey police were contacted. An immediate search and rescue mission was launched. Russell Causley was believed to have fallen overboard approximately 10 miles southwest of Guernsey. Lifeboats and helicopters were dispatched to try and find the missing man. Although they hoped Russell was somehow clinging to life, the conditions were treacherous, making it extremely hard for the search party to see anything. After they failed to find any sign of Russell Causley or his body in the vast waters, the police had to notify his daughter Samantha of her father's disappearance. Samantha was in her mid-twenties and had left the family home almost a decade earlier when an officer from the Guernsey police told her that her father was missing at sea, presumed dead. Naturally, Samantha was devastated by the news. Her relationship with her father had been strained for years, and Samantha had not seen her mother, Veronica Packman, for some time. Veronica had gone by the name Carol for almost a decade. Now Samantha felt utterly alone. The detectives asked her where her mother was. She told them she was not sure. As far as Samantha knew, her mother had left a note eight years earlier, writing that she had had enough and walked out, never contacting her husband and daughter again. The uncertainty of where her father was dealt another cruel blow for the young woman. the Guernsey police were curious, so they contacted detectives in Dorset to inquire about Carol Packman's disappearance. As it turned out, a missing persons report had been filed, but it was closed when Carol supposedly walked into a police station in Bournemouth to confirm she was safe. The Guernsey detectives again spoke with Patricia Causley, Russell's partner. Russell had taken her surname a few years after his wife left, but Patricia told the police she had no idea where Carol was. Carol met Russell Packman as he was named then, when the pair were working at a factory together in Reading. They were married in 1965, 
and four years later in Dorset they had a child together, a little girl they named Samantha. The young family travelled for business to Germany and Canada as they both found work in the aviation industry. By 1983, the Packmans had moved back to the UK and Russell set up an insurance business in Bournemouth. Bournemouth is situated on the south coast of England and is one of the country's most popular seaside resorts. There are over 10 miles of beaches and it boasts being one of the sunniest places in England. With the service industry being the largest economic sector in the town, Russell chose to start his own company there, settling down in a middle-class home in one of the most wealthiest suburbs in the area. At some point in the Packman's marriage, Russell began having an affair with one of his employees, the much younger 25-year-old Patricia Causley. In a surprising and somewhat risky turn of events, Russell convinced his wife to allow Patricia to move into their four-bedroom home to help them through some financial difficulties. While the Packman family had perceived wealth, with a large detached house, an expensive car and often went on overseas vacations, they struggled financially. Patricia Causley sold her flat and moved in with the Packman family. For the first six months, the affair went unnoticed. Patricia moved into Samantha's bedroom, and the Packman's daughter saw her new roommate as a nanny figure. Over time, however, Samantha noticed that late at night, Patricia was sneaking out of the bedroom. Samantha soon learned that Patricia and her father were having an affair, and her mother was aware of what was going on underneath her own roof. Patricia was 15 years younger than Russell. She openly took the place of Carol, flaunting the relationship in the marital home. Unsurprisingly, the unorthodox living arrangements began to take a toll on Russell and Carol Packman's marriage. The addition of a new woman taking Carol's place made the situation more unbearable. Their relationship had been growing increasingly toxic for some time. Russell and Carol's daughter Samantha would later recall her childhood as being lonely and turbulent. The family constantly moved around until she was in her teens. If Samantha upset her father in any way, he would punish her physically and psychologically. Her mother was abused, as was the family dog. Frequently, Russell would force his wife and daughter to get on their knees and beg for forgiveness for any perceived wrongdoings. If Samantha ever refused to eat her dinner, her father would throw it at her. When the police spoke to Carol's parents, they said that they had not been allowed to stay in contact with their daughter after she was married. Carol had only been 15 years old when she met the man she would go on to marry. Her family said that they begged Carol to leave him on more than one occasion, but she refused. 
What they didn't know was that Russell had threatened to chop Carol's family up with an axe if she did not stop speaking to them. They also weren't aware that Carol had a child until she arrived one day with Samantha in tow. Please note that the following section refers to animal abuse. So if you would rather not hear the details, skip ahead 15 seconds. Although Carol's loved ones were unaware of her husband's threats, at one stage she had made a distraught phone call to say that her husband had kicked their puppy to death. Russell was angry that the animal had made a mess. The police were previously called to the Pacman home due to Russell's violent behaviour. Still no charges were ever brought against him. While Carol was legally called Veronica, her husband despised the name and insisted she change it. Her daughter would later describe that her mother began drinking heavily and was excluded from everything in her own home, all the while her husband openly carried on having an affair under the same roof. Samantha, who was only a teenager at the time, and highly vulnerable due to the abuse she suffered at the hands of her father, was convinced to act as a lookout. Patricia would sneak into Russell's bedroom while Carol was out on shopping trips. Samantha would check the windows and warn them when her mother was coming home. As the affair escalated, so did Carol Packman's alcohol consumption. One afternoon, Samantha found her mother on the kitchen floor sobbing, drunk on sherry. For a period in early 1985, Russell Packman, or Russell Causley as he later became, was sent to work in Italy. In May of that year, he returned home to England for a weekend visit. He admitted to a colleague that he and Carol had an argument regarding his affair. Russell confessed that the argument turned physical. Around the same time, Carol told a friend that her marriage was on the rocks because her husband refused to stop the affair he was having with Patricia Causley. Then, a month later in June 1985, Samantha and her father went on a day trip to London. When they returned, Samantha found a note in the kitchen from her mother. The note said that Carol couldn't take it anymore and that she had had enough. Carol's wedding ring was left beside the note. Samantha ran upstairs to her parents' bedroom and found a ripped red dress that had been left on the floor. It was her mother's favourite item of clothing. The wardrobes were still full of Carol's clothes, and her jewellery, a watch and suitcases had been left behind. Glancing towards her father who had followed her up the stairs, Samantha hoped to get some semblance of reassurance. She'll be back, Russell said. But Carol never came back. Assuming she had finally fled from her miserable home life, who would look for her? 
Carol had been cut off from her loved ones for years. No more than two months would pass when Samantha suffered another traumatic experience. The teenager was asked to leave the family home by her father. The 16-year-old cut off contact and focused on getting her own life in order. It wasn't until her father had been reported missing at sea all those years later that she had heard anything more about him. Detectives speculated that based on where Russell Causley went overboard, his body was going to wash ashore. However, there was absolutely no trace of the missing man in his early 50s. So detectives became suspicious. How likely was it that a wife and then her husband had simply vanished into thin air a decade apart? Officers decided to investigate whether any life insurance policies were taken out in his name. They found several, all of which had been set up in the months leading up to the sailing trip. The policies would pay out almost £1 million in the event of Russell Causley's death. One of them also protected the mortgage on the £600,000 home that the Causleys owned in central London just a stone's throw away from Buckingham Palace. With suspicions mounting, detectives searched the ferry records from the day the yacht arrived in St Peter Port in Guernsey and found that a passenger with the surname Russell had purchased a ticket back to Weymouth at 8.30pm. When Russell Causley's solicitor and partner tried to claim the life insurance policies, the detectives became even more sceptical of the tragedy and began monitoring Patricia Causley's movements. The investigation led to Brighton, where someone had checked into a boarding house using the name James Ellison on the day that Russell Causley had vanished. It took time to follow the trail, but four months after Causley was reported missing at sea, the police found the last piece of the puzzle in Causley's supposed disappearance. By this point, it was not a total surprise that they found him alive and well, eating lunch with his alleged distraught partner at a pub in Brighton. The couple were arrested by officers from Scotland Yard's fraud squad and taken into custody on suspicion of conspiracy to defraud, as was their solicitor and skipper of the yacht, Anthony Hackett-Jones. Russell and Patricia Causley were released on bail. The police took the opportunity to ask them about Carol Packman's whereabouts. Russell Causley said that Carol had left in 1985 after he moved Patricia into their home. He claimed that he had heard from her a couple of times, but had not seen Carol in person. Causley alleged she had left the country, calling from Canada in 1987 and then from Germany a year or two later. Russell Causley told the detectives that he believed Carol was living comfortably with a new boyfriend and that they had no contact since 1989. 
In early 1995, Russell and Patricia Causley pleaded guilty to conspiracy to defraud. Russell Causley had not fallen overboard into the cold and murky waters, but instead he boarded a ferry which took him back to the mainland. Once safely ashore, Patricia Causley and Anthony Hackett-Jones alerted the authorities, who launched a vast search that cost over £20,000. Patricia Causley was handed a 12-month suspended sentence, and her partner Russell Causley faced two years in prison. Causley's solicitor Anthony Hackett-Jones had pleaded not guilty to the same charge, but Causley testified against him at trial in March of the same year. Russell Causley explained that he was unable to resist contacting Patricia after faking his own death. He said that he could not deal with the pressure of living alone and called Patricia from a pay phone in Brighton. Causley told the court at Hackett Jones's trial, we knew the plan was going wrong and basically we were going to prison. Anthony Hackett-Jones denied being part of the insurance fraud scheme. Hackett-Jones protested that he had been duped into sailing the yacht after Russell and Patricia Causley asked him to take them out to sea. They had supposedly asked for some sailing experience before buying their own boat. Hackett-Jones claimed that he had been asleep when he was suddenly awoken by Patricia with the news that her partner had gone overboard. When Hackett-Jones and Patricia Causley attempted to cash in on the five insurance policies held in Russell Causley's name, the scam was exposed. In a missing person's case where a body is not found, insurance companies are unlikely to pay out for at least seven years, as that is when a missing person is presumed dead. Ultimately, the jury found Anthony Hackett-Jones guilty of conspiring to defraud a number of insurance companies. He was sentenced to three years in prison. When handing down the sentence, Judge Jeffrey Rucker told the court that the aggravating factor of the case was emergency personnel putting their lives at risk when they were called out to search for Russell Causley during dangerous conditions. The judge said he considered ordering a costs and compensation instruction, but that burden would have fallen on Hackett Jones's wife and children. While Russell Causley was behind bars, the Dorset Police Force began looking into Carol Packman's disappearance. They established that the last time anyone had seen her alive was on June 14, 1985. Carol had gone to see her solicitors, Ward Bowie, to inquire about beginning divorce proceedings. She discussed how the couple's assets could be divided. A solicitor advised Carol to discuss it with her husband before coming back at a later date. Just the following day, Samantha found the note her mother had supposedly written, indicating that she was leaving. In the two months that followed the discovery of the note, 
Russell Causley told several different stories to different people. He informed a former colleague that Carol had taken money and fled to Canada. Causley told a bank manager that they had separated and she had moved abroad to work. He mentioned to Carol's co-workers that she had found employment as a highly paid aeronautics draftswoman in Germany, France, Switzerland and Malta. Causley told others that she had moved further north in England or that Carol had run off with a, quote, man in a red Porsche. When Russell Causley reported his wife missing at Bournemouth Police Station in August 1985, he said that she had taken a few thousand pounds in cash. Police listed Carol as a non-vulnerable missing person. Then someone presented themselves at Bournemouth Police Station in December of that year, claiming to be Carol. This individual said that she wanted nothing to do with her family, and as a result, the missing person's case was closed. The following month, Russell Causley asked the police to send a statement to his solicitor about this incident in order to move forward with divorce proceedings. Then in 1986, Causley made a new will which removed his wife as a beneficiary because he claimed that she had received half of the value of their house in a settlement. Later that year, Russell and Patricia Causley moved to Canada for an employment opportunity. There, it was discovered Patricia had used Carol Packman's name to get a work visa. Immigration officials found out and the couple were ordered to leave the country. After returning to the UK, Russell Causley transferred the deed of the house he jointly owned with Carol into Patricia's name. The investigation uncovered that Patricia Causley had impersonated Carol in order to transfer the deed so they could sell the house in Bournemouth and buy a lavish property near Buckingham Palace. Just a couple of weeks before she disappeared, Carol Packman had told a friend Irene Stedman that she would rather the house burn down than Patricia Causley get her hands on it. In addition, Carol Packman's name had also been forged so that her husband could collect insurance premiums totaling £3,235. It was around this time that Russell Causley, or Russell Packman as he was known, changed his surname by deed poll. He began telling friends and family that he had given Carol a £30,000 divorce settlement. However, detectives could find no trace of any funds being paid from Russell Causley to Carol Packman. Investigators made inquiries with the authorities in Canada and Germany to ascertain whether or not Carol was living or working there, but they could find no sign of her. Likewise, in the UK, Carol Packman had not attended any healthcare practices, paid taxes or renewed her outdated passport. Her bank account had not been touched, nor had she filed for divorce or filed for a financial share of the marriage. Her daughter Samantha made a press appeal for information, hoping to learn more about her mother's whereabouts. 
soon after. An inmate who had shared a cell with Russell Causley while he was on remand for the conspiracy charge told the police that Causley had confessed to his wife's murder. A man named Michael Lomond had been Russell Causley's cellmate for a period of time at Brixton Prison. Lomond told the investigators that Causley had confessed that he had killed his wife and had two men bury her body in a cemetery. Following this revelation in August 1995, both Russell and Patricia Causley were arrested and questioned by detectives. Frustratingly, neither of them were forthcoming with answers to the officers' questions, and they were subsequently released. Russell Causley was still serving his sentence at Dorchester Prison for insurance fraud. While the jailhouse confession tied Causley to the apparent murder, it was purely circumstantial. The police needed more evidence to secure a conviction. After Causley was transferred to an open prison, HMP Ford, he allegedly confessed again to another inmate, Andrew Murphy. Murphy had been imprisoned for a driving offence. He later told detectives that he had been speaking with Causley about using acid to clean car parts when Causley admitted to dissolving his wife's remains in acid. According to Murphy, Causley claimed to have administered a, quote, shot of gas to Carol before suffocating her with a plastic bag. Russell Causley had allegedly said to Murphy, I did it better than an Agatha Christie murder. During the conversation, Causley had asked about an old English law that stated a murder trial could not be held if the victim's body had not been found. At the time of Carol's disappearance, this law was outdated. The first conviction without a body was made back in 1945. Causley supposedly went on to comment to Murphy, she is a missing person, and she's going to stay that way. Causley then divulged that he had killed his wife on June 21st, referring to the day as the best day of his life. Andrew Murphy told the investigators that Patricia Causley knew about the murder, but she would never talk to the police. On February 6, 1996, Russell Causley was arrested and charged with the murder of Carol Packman. In December of that year, he stood trial. Anthony Dunn, QC, acting for the prosecution. Detailed to the jury the plethora of lies that Russell Causley had told his friends about Carol Packman's disappearance. The prosecution theorised that Causley had killed Carol because she was in the way of the affair he was having with Patricia Causley. The prosecutor described the motivation as the oldest motive in the world. According to Anthony Dunn QC, Causley had wanted not only to continue his affair, but continue his financial position, 
divorcing Carol would have come with a hefty price tag. Prosecutor Dunn said, He was not only ruthless in getting rid of his wife, he was also entirely determined to get his own way. He is a clever, devious and cunning man. Having murdered her, he got rid of her body in such a way that it would never be found. The trial lasted ten days, and the jury listened to testimony from the Pacman's daughter Samantha, as well as friends and acquaintances of her father. Jurors additionally heard from several inmates, Michael Lomond, Andrew Murphy, and a third, Andrew Briggs. Briggs had been incarcerated with Russell Causley in Exeter Prison in 1996, when he was on remand for the murder charge. Causley and Briggs had become acquainted while playing chess together. According to Briggs, they exchanged stories about their criminal exploits. Briggs testified that Causley said that two inmates had implicated him in the murder of his wife. Causley dismissed one of the accounts, but admitted that the other had been sincere, and even divulged some accurate information about Carol Packman's murder. Causley told Briggs that he initially planned on shooting Carol but during an argument Carol smashed a pane of glass in the bathroom after hurling a stool at him. Causley apparently told Briggs that he lost control and killed his wife with a hatchet before dismembering her body and disposing of the remains down a shaft in the new forest in Burley. The prosecution predominantly relied on the evidence of Andrew Murphy and Michael Lomond. Still, the prosecutor said that the evidence presented by Andrew Briggs should not be perceived differently, noting that even if Briggs were telling the truth, no dismembered body had been found in the New Forest or anywhere in the surrounding area. However, Briggs was allowed to testify, highlighting that while on remand for the murder of Carol Packman, Russell Causley was trying to cast doubt on the details of the confessions the other two inmates had provided. The jury deliberated for just three hours before finding Russell Causley guilty of the murder of Carol Packman. He was sentenced to life in prison. Causley was the 18th person in Britain to be convicted of murder in the absence of a body. Samantha was there to see her father sentenced for the murder of her mother. Each day of the trial, she wore her mother's wedding ring. Samantha poignantly remarked that the life sentence ended her wait for justice. For years, she had clung to the hope that her mother was still alive, but the conviction shattered that hope. Words cannot describe how I feel about my father, she said. Hate is not enough. With a conviction secured, detectives announced they were going to continue searching for Carol Packman's remains. 
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In September 1998... Russell Causley appealed his murder conviction on the grounds that the circumstantial evidence against him was unreliable. It came from the testimony of three fellow inmates. The defence also alleged that inadequate warnings were given by the trial judge in respect of the evidence provided by the three convicted criminals. The case worked its way to the Court of Appeal, However, Lord Justice Rose said that the evidence against Russell Causley was, quote, overwhelming. The appeal judge highlighted that during the murder trial, the trial judge had warned the jury to treat the evidence presented by the inmates with caution. In 2000, on what would have been Carol Packman's 55th birthday. Samantha spoke with a reporter from the Sun newspaper and revealed that she was offering a £5,000 reward to anybody that could give her information that would lead to her mother's remains being found. The reward fund had come from Carol Packman's life insurance policy. Samantha said... I want to find my mother. I just wish those involved with her death would be honest with me. Russell Causley still refused to speak with his daughter. When Samantha tried to get any information out of Patricia Causley, she was told to put it behind her and move on with her life.
three years later. Counsel for Russell Causley persuaded the Criminal Cases Review Commission to look into the case again. Surprisingly, the Court of Appeal would subsequently quash the murder conviction after ruling that the evidence presented by the three inmates was unsafe. It was ordered that Causley be tried on the same charge, but this time with a new judge and jury. Russell Causley had served seven years and 283 days when he was released on bail, pending the second trial. The decision was met with bewilderment from his daughter. She lambasted the legal system for allowing her father to drag the case through the courts once more. Your father, he's a nasty piece of work and there's no other way to describe him. Um, He's not a very nice person. He has given me no other alternative but to think that he has done something with my mother. The second murder trial opened in March 2004, almost two decades after Carol Packman disappeared. During his opening statements, Bruce Holder QC prosecuting spoke about Carol and told the jury she simply disappeared off the face of the earth and has never been seen or heard from since. Holder detailed how after killing Carol Packman, Russell Causley had embarked on an elaborate charade to convince everybody that she was still alive. The prosecutor also suggested that Russell and Patricia Causley lied in tandem to obtain both work and money, with Patricia impersonating Carol Packman on several occasions. The evidence that Patricia was in on this is everywhere you look, Bruce Holder QC stated. During this second trial, no evidence was presented in relation to the earlier conversations that Causley had with the three fellow inmates. However, there was a new key witness, Russell Causley's sister. She said that years earlier, she had heard her brother say, I've killed one wife, I could kill another. Causley's sister had decided against coming forward with this new evidence until now, because of their father. But since the first trial, he had passed away, and she decided there was no reason not to finally tell the truth. Russell Causley refused to take the witness stand in his own defence. After deliberating for almost 10 hours, the jury returned with a unanimous verdict. Russell Causley was the first person to ever be convicted on appeal of murder without a body. He was once again handed a life sentence. Mrs. Justice Hallett addressed Causley and said, What you did to your wife is beyond the understanding of most normal people. 
You bullied her and dominated her for years. You move your mistress into the family home, then involved your very vulnerable daughter in your sordid affair. The damage you have done to your daughter is incalculable. It is a miracle she has turned out as well-adjusted as she has. Not only did you kill your wife and dispose of her body, you have left your daughter in a permanent state of ignorance as to her fate. You don't care about her feelings. The only feelings you care about are yours and Patricia Causley. When your daughter became too much trouble to you, she had to leave home. It's fortunate for her it wasn't worth your financial gain to kill her. In my mind, you are a self-centred and calculating killer. You will do whatever you have to do to make your life easier. Your mistress appears to be of the same kind and I'm not surprised she hasn't dared to show her face at this court. In my judgement, you are a wicked pair. This is a cold-blooded killing for financial gain. Mrs Justice Hallett then told Causley, It will be a minimum of 16 years before anybody should even consider your release. I'm not suggesting you'll ever be fit for release. For a while, Russell Causley believed he could get away with murder. But though he arrived at court today a free man, a few hours later he was sentenced to life for the second time in nine years for the murder of his wife 19 years ago. It's extremely gratifying that justice has been done and that a man who thought that he got away with a major crime has been convicted and is now going to prison. Samantha Packman was in court to see her father jailed for life, but she still doesn't know what he did with her mother's body. I don't know if he's ever going to tell me. I'm hoping that maybe he will be able to so that I could actually put her somewhere where then I would know that she's okay. And then that would be the end of it. The verdict was a welcome relief to the authorities, with Chris Lee, Deputy Chief Constable of Dorset Police, announcing, Although no body has ever been recovered, police officers involved in this investigation have always believed that Mrs. Veronica Packman, also known as Carol Ann Packman, has been murdered. Evidence has always pointed to Russell Causley being responsible for the murder, and the verdict of the court today reflects the evidence in the case. With the sentence handed down, Causley returned to HMP Little Hay in Cambridgeshire to resume his life sentence. Periodically over the years, Samantha Gillingham, as she would become, would plead for information from her father. Ten years would pass. Samantha was no closer to finding out what her father had done with her mother's body than she was the moment she learned her mother had vanished. In July 2014, Samantha and the rest of the family blocked an attempt to have Russell Causley move to a lower category prison. 
Samantha argued that he should not be transferred unless Causley acknowledged what he had done to his wife and revealed where he had hidden her body. The family felt strongly that since prison is about rehabilitation, then the first step for Causley should be admitting what he had done and giving up the location of her body so that Carol Packman's family could give her a proper Christian burial. The fact that Carol's body had not yet been found meant that the family had never been able to achieve a sense of closure. Samantha Gillingham's son Neil never got the opportunity to meet his grandmother or even his grandfather. He was born between the murder and the first conviction. Nevertheless, Neil echoed the views of his mother. In a message to his grandfather, Neil said, You want to be released? That's absolutely fine. You tell us where she is. The following month, Russell Causley had his first parole hearing. The family had requested that Causley be present, but he refused. Samantha had tried for years to contact her father, but each time he rebuffed her request. The family were faced with a sense of panic that Causley could be released. Samantha and her loved ones still believed that he was controlling and capable of violence, and they feared for their own safety. Three months after the hearing, the parole board denied Russell Causley parole. The family let out a collective sigh of relief, knowing that Causley was remaining behind bars at least for another two years. Up until this point, Russell Causley had never publicly spoken about what truly happened to Carol, despite the fact he had been convicted of her murder twice. He had professed his innocence during the first two trials, but since then he persistently refused to speak on the subject any further. In the aftermath of his failed bid for parole, Horsley began to open up, but only in the hopes that it would result in him moving to a lower category prison. Horsley gave multiple accounts of what happened. In one letter, he described how he burned Carol's remains in their back garden before scattering her ashes in various locations, including Merrick Park Golf Course. Causley eventually arranged for a meeting with his daughter and relatives, implying that he was finally ready to reveal what happened. It looked as though Causley was going to end three decades of turmoil. However, as the scheduled meeting was just days away, it was cancelled. It was a crushing blow to the family, and Causley's grandson Neil stated, He hasn't engaged. He continues to take the same arrogant, obnoxious stance, and although he admits his guilt, I feel this is a ploy to gain early release without giving closure. In 2016, 
former detective Mark Williams Thomas began looking into the controversial case. He presented his findings during a four-part television series titled The Investigator, a British crime story. In the final episode, he revealed that Russell Causley had replied to a handful of letters the production team had sent, and Causley admitted killing his wife. Causley divulged in one piece of correspondence that he had buried Carol Packman's body in a beautiful location. One letter read in part, Carol was coming out of a small bedroom we used as an office. Something was said by her about Samantha or Patricia, and I hit her. I'd never hit her before, ever. I then used a tie to cut off her airways. There was no sound coming from her. Nothing. In another piece of correspondence, Russell Causley said that Patricia was aware that Carol was dead. In fact, Causley attempted to transfer some of the blame for Carol's murder onto Patricia. In the letter, he claimed Patricia had given him an ultimatum, writing, I'm going out for a short drive. Either get it done or go back to your wife. With this new development, detectives tracked down Patricia Causley and re-interviewed her. She denied any knowledge of Carol's death claiming that if she had, she would never have supported her then-partner. By this point, Patricia had broken off the relationship, having stood by Causley's side up until 2014. Patricia revealed that when she called it quits, Causley had written to her from behind bars. In the correspondence, he admitted that he had murdered Carol during an argument. He said that he hit her and she fell unconscious. Then he strangled her with a tie. Afterwards, Causley said he covered Carol with a blanket and then burned her body to ashes. He filled up three buckets with the charred remains and then disposed of them in various locations. Detectives would, however, dismiss this letter claiming that the method of disposal was not plausible. Causley responded by claiming that he had in fact hidden Carol's body somewhere, quote, peaceful, but wrote that he was unwilling to disclose where. Frustratingly, in a final letter, Causley would take back his confession. He alleged that the only reason he made the admission was that he was desperate after Patricia called off their relationship. Detectives concluded they could take no action against Patricia Causley, as the new development was based solely on the word of a convicted murderer and fraudster. Since then, Russell Causley recanted his other confessions altogether, claiming that he had made them up and was innocent. Nevertheless, the authorities appointed a senior investigating officer to review Carol Packman's murder. The files from the four-part television series were handed over to Detective Inspector Richard Dixie, but nothing ever came of the fresh investigation. 
there was a renewed interest in the case in October 2016, when a campaign was opened on Change.org. It was an effort to ensure that killers who refused to reveal where their victims' bodies are buried would remain incarcerated for life. I couldn't really care less about my father. Just tell me where my mother is. What happens to you thereafter? I don't care. I just want my mother. And that's it. And, and then he could then go through the system. It's quite simple. The campaign was officially called the Prisoner's Disclosure of Information About Victims Bill, but was nicknamed Helen's Law, in homage to 22-year-old Helen McCourt, who was abducted and murdered by Ian Sims near Wigan in February 1988. Sims was convicted of the murder via DNA evidence, but Helen's body was never found. He neither admitted to the murder, nor did he ever disclose what he had done with her remains. The campaign went to the House of Commons, where Helen's mother Mary McCourt urged MPs to back the campaign. Alongside her was Carol Packman's grandson, as well as other family members affected by crime. Neil said to the House that the change in law was desperately needed to stop victims' families being, quote, dropped into hell without knowing where their loved ones' remains were. He also remarked that prison is about rehabilitation, and the first step of rehabilitation is admitting to your wrongdoings. Neil said, If this becomes law, it will put a stop to my grandfather's attempts to get parole until he tells us where my grandmother's body is. So, you know, my grandfather, and this is a direct plea to him, is that ultimately, you know, we can do a a fair trade here. You give us closure, allow us to move on with our lives, you move on with your life. And by all means, I've got no, I don't care what you do. Just let us have closure and move on with this chapter. You know, there is no doubt whatsoever that he is the killer and he keeps on playing games. He's admitted to the murder. He's retracted that statement. He now says that he's a miscarriage of justice. Make up your mind, Russell. What is it? In 2017, Russell Causley had another chance to gain his freedom. His daughter, Samantha, had been at home when she received a letter from the probation service informing her that Causley had an upcoming parole review. His last full parole hearing had been in 2014, but since then there were two paper-based hearings, both of which determined that Causley should remain behind bars. It was revealed that Causley had appealed the findings of his latest hearing. The outcome was released the following year, and it was revealed that Causley had been granted a move to an open prison. A report from the parole board read, After considering the circumstances of offending, the changing environment with professionals, the inconsistent account of the offence and the personality traits displayed by Mr Causley, the panel assessed that it could not support his release. However, given the perceived reduction in his risk levels, his improved engagement with professionals and the need for him to be further tested to demonstrate sustained compliance, the panel recommended that he be progressed to the open prison estate. 
while Russell Causley was not granted parole, it was a step in the direction of freedom. The decision was denounced as a travesty by Carol Packman's family. My grandson Neil said, There is no justice for my family or my grandmother. We are no closer to finding out where she is buried. The decision meant that Russell Causley could apply for day release, as well as weekend release after just three months. However, the Justice Secretary stepped in, and the ruling was subsequently blocked. Causley would remain at HMP Little Hay. In September 2020, Russell Causley had another parole hearing. This time, the parole board would declare him suitable for release. The board found that while Causley's refusal to reveal the location of Carol's body was heartless, it did not mean that he was a risk to the public. In a summary of the board's findings, they concluded that Causley would be subject to a number of conditions, which included living at a designated address, as well as electronic tagging and a curfew. The findings read in part, The parole board has a huge amount of sympathy for families of victims who have never been found and appreciates the pain and anguish this causes. At the time of the hearing, Helen's law was going through Parliament, but it had not yet been implemented in law. While it would require the parole board to consider the killer's reluctance to comply, it did not block their release. This meant that even if Helen's law had been passed, it did not explicitly indicate that Russell Causley would have been denied parole. The parole process had begun in 2014, and it was a long and arduous journey for the family, who felt the release was a judicial slap in the face. After campaigning for almost his entire life, Carol Packman's grandson had been diagnosed with a form of complex PTSD, which is present in children and adults who have repeatedly experienced traumatic events in their life. Neil Gillingham had lived in the shadow of the controversial murder case since the day he was born. For a while things had been improving, but the legal wrangling had taken its toll. The parole decision had caused such an uproar. Then Justice Secretary Robert Buckland asked for the case to be reconsidered by the parole board. A spokesperson for the Ministry of Justice told the BBC, This was a despicable crime, and our deepest sympathies remain with Carol Packman's family, particularly given they have not been able to lay her to rest. After carefully considering the parole board's decision, the Lord Chancellor has asked for it to be reconsidered. The request for re-examination was rejected by a senior judge, meaning that Russell Causley was going to be released from prison, much to the dismay of the family who had fought tirelessly to keep him locked up. In September 2020, 
Horsley was released at the age of 78. The decades of incarceration had not been kind, as he was reported to be in bad health. Shortly after Russell Causley's release, a new witness would present themselves to the police. He claimed that he had seen Causley burning something in a rug in the New Forest. The witness was just a teenager at the time, but said he was 100% sure that the person in the forest was Causley. The witness directed police to the spot of the fire pit. Disappointingly, it was concluded there was insufficient evidence to excavate the area. The family were distraught at the decision. Just two months later, Helen's law progressed through Parliament. So where are we now? In November 2021, Russell Causley was sent back to prison after breaching his licence conditions. Causley had reportedly failed to attend or engage with his probation supervision, but the exact details of the breach were never publicly revealed. Causley currently remains in jail, while the parole board considers whether or not to release him again. In a cruel case of history repeating itself, Carol Packman's family are once again fighting to keep her killer behind bars. As of 2022, Carol's body still remains missing. Her daughter Samantha in particular says she feels immeasurable guilt for initially believing her father's lies and for how she treated her mother after Patricia Causley moved in to the family home. In a comment to a reporter for BBC News, speaking about her father, Samantha said, If he is released from prison, he will think, despite the price he has paid by losing his freedom for so long, that he was actually the one who still won. He just doesn't care. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Jamie Walker, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. 
It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know. It's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com pod24. That's rocketmoney.com pod24. rocketmoney.com pod24.